When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Born to be a Yes, it's a big good morning to you, our wonderful listeners tuning in to SENZ Wild Scenes over in the UK as Australia, the tail wagged, Pat Cummins, Nathan Lyon, 44 for Pat Cummins, not out, Nathan Lyon, 16 not out to get uh, Australians home and match one in the Ashes, a 1-0 lead over Basball, our very own, oh, I don't know what you guys were thinking up there in Auckland, but I was rowing, supporting, cheering this English squad home. But they weren't quite able to get it done in the end. A good start. Usman Kawaja, 65. David Warner, 36. Then they went for a little bit of a flat patch in the middle until the last two, Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon, came back to get that going, boys. Ashes, Test Cricket is well and truly alive. How good? Good morning to you. Morena, morena, bro. Yep, uh, ruined that that uh, drop of Ben Stokes, I, I guess. Mm. Where they had a chance uh, right there at the back end with a, a number of balls still to still to be bowled, and uh, yeah, Baz is sitting there with his uh, coconut water soaking it all in. I still thought they had a chance this morning when I was driving in, but uh, not to beat makes it more exciting for the next one, I guess. Is and. Uh, you're dead right about the Ashes. I know there'd be plenty of people, especially the people I was talking to last week in Aussie, jumping for joy that the uh, the Aussie <laughs> back end has got at home. Cummins especially, mate. How, how good was he? How good was he at the back end? Oh, very aggressive, Ricardo. Yeah, captain's, captain's knock, I think you call that, don't you? I mean, he got them home. He, he comes in at number nine, got them home 44 not out, four fours, two sixes. Uh, went, pretty, oh. went pretty well. I tell you, so... Somebody else who's pretty wild, Michael Holdsworth on the text machine. I'm just going to read these. These are these texts are about 15 minutes apart as they roll through our text machine. I'm just sitting in here watching them roll in. England, beep, beep, get Australia out now. I don't want Australia to win big time. Next test, text about 20 minutes later. I hate Australia. I hate them big time. Come on, England. And then finally at 6.21, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying it. I hate Australia. <laughs> bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah, there's plenty of messages going through that text machine. Double eight, double three. Oh, what a test match. 
Great call, gentlemen. Jace here. Miss you, Jerry, listening from Danavirk. So everyone around the country is tuning in to SENZ, live coverage of the Ashes. Don't go anywhere for your Ashes fix. They do a great job over in the UK. And, uh, well, Baz Bort, a little blink, a little chink in the armour, uh, a little bump in the road, I should say, in the start to the Ashes. But Test Cricket, well and truly alive. Absolutely love it. I said to Baz the other week, I said, Baz, look, I don't know what it is. But I find myself supporting England. And I just never, ever, ever thought I would say that. And it is, I'm sure many of you out there are the same. Is this England cricket's revival and the way that Bears has gone over and got this English cricket team to a level that is high performing made you a fan? I don't know about you, Rick Dog and, and Kempi, but I'm supporting England, which is unheard well, of. I think. Mate, to be honest, put this out there. I don't know if this is just me. I think there's most Kiwis. But it's not so much that you're supporting England. It's that you really don't want Australia to win. They're, <laughs> like, Is there a team that is easier to hate than the Australian cricket team? I don't know that there is. No. No. That's an easy question to answer. It is so easy. No one. That is, you could just dislike them for as much. It's a bit. Is there similarities because they were so dominant in cricket for a very long time, but the arrogance about the way they went about it was probably why people couldn't stand them. Uh, similar there. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring up the other team, but similarities to why people hate teams is, is a lot come down to success, isn't it? Cruisers. That, te- that team is. Su- yes, I was, didn't want to say it, Ricardo, but successful teams. They they tend to do it, but. I don't know, look, I even found that like, when England were playing New Zealand, mm. I was like, yeah, of course I want New Zealand to win, but on the other side, my brother's over there, and he's, and with England, they just do it differently. You know, like, they're very aggressive, even in that test match. They, they had an aggressive fielding um, set-up formation. They just play right to the end. They never, ever batten down the hatches and played defensively, and I think that's what's inspired me and, and, and made me enjoy Test cricket again because you're always going to get a result with England. You yep. know, traditionally, teams, 54 runs needed, eight wickets down, batting down the hatches, defensive. Well, Pat Cummins has obviously seen what England's done and said, nah, stuff this, we're going to go for it, we're going to make this Test series interesting. And, well, it paid off in the end. There was a commentator that actually said, oh, look, he was watching the overs roll over there and said, oh, I can't believe that Australia are playing for the draw here. And I was thinking, <laughs> nah, mate, honestly, you're thinking yourself sitting there, come on, boys, have a crack. It's like you got your, your 50, 57, I think it was, runs off winning the test match and then uh, Cummins decides to go out there and hit a few fours and a couple of sixes and gets the job done. I, I think it's great for test cricket. Like even, you know, I haven't watched test, test cricket probably like the way that I'm watching it now since I was over in Australia and I knew what it meant um, to the Australians as far as the Ashes go. But as far as being in Australia at the moment, watching the the, um, the Australians play, they would be buoyed by the by the fact that they got this first test match against Baz, um, Baz's side over there in England. It is, it is exciting. Everyone will be looking forward to the next test, no doubt. Well, that's the thing. This test has swung back and forward, right? England were in the ascendancy. Australia were in the ascendancy. England got back. Australia got back, and like you know, even this morning when we got in, um, the Aussies still needed sixty odd, and England only needed three wickets. And you're thinking, well, that's probably in England's favour because the new ball's not too far away. 
Yeah, the bookies in the TAB working overtime. I walked in, it was two eight two they were out to two eighty, the Aussies and they were in at a dollar thirty. The the uh, the English and then all of a sudden it swings back around. It was a dollar forty four two fifty. And the, they were honestly were looking at the TV, going, "Mate, we need to change the odds around here." Um, it's a, uh, honestly, fifty four uh, runs with two wickets left. Yeah, you think that? You think you get it? And a new ball. And a new ball. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, in the past you would have seen teams try and defend that, right? Try and just block out seven yeah. overs and survive, but you're more likely, I think, to get out there was, doing that, there was you one, don't lose. There was one part there, Ricardo, mm. that I saw, you know, like Pat Cummins and uh, um, Broad was bowling the ball in there and he was not worried about the ball hitting the bat and he was hitting his body. And he was like, he would have copped a couple on the hip. He'd be sore. He got a, he got a couple of bruises off broad today. But I could see, when it shot when it shot out to um, the skipper, I could see him going, "Yes, get, just at least we might lose the game." But it upset upset um, Cummins here with a couple of body. What do they call that? Body, body line, line shots. A couple of body line shots, mate. They, I he tell you, comfortable. The Foster, the Fosters will numb that for him. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll be having a couple, <laughs> couple of couple of frothy ones, I'd imagine, right about now. Mate, five test matches, their bodies will be hanging by the end of it. Look, we're how long between the next test match? It's not too long, isn't it? No, it's not too. Probably a couple off. of days. Yeah, oh, it's it's probably about five days between the, the, this Benny, one and the next Benny one. Stokes, mate, could have made that catch too. Well, I was, you know, you see how many great catches there are in, in cricket, mm. and that one over the top of his head, like he actually didn't didn't have to dive too far to get it. He'd be honestly. It'd, Hopefully that one doesn't come back to haunt them. Yeah, fingers crossed. Seven days, uh, I've just heard from the kitchen, seven days for the next test. But I'll tell you what yeah. we do have to get away to now is Quizzy Dag, a $50 TAB bonus bet. Up for grabs, 0800 150811, 0800 150811. Give us a call now, $50 TAB bonus bet. Up for grabs with the Quizmaster. We'll do that next. No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lines ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 All right. You heard it, 0800-150-811, bucks up for grabs. Bonus bet. Let's get it. Let's head to Christchurch and chat to Tim. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Matt. How are we doing? Oh, good, mate. Good, good. Just trying to relax after that uh, exciting finish over there in England. But here we go, mate. Let's rip into it and get you paid. How many games did Freddie Fittler's Sydney Roosters win in the 2009 season? Wow. Oh, that's a tough one. No, I'll have to get a clue off uh, old uncle. Ali Williams. One. Five. There you go. Five out of 24, and he was sacked soon after. Will we be seeing the same <laughs> post tonight's performance? Time will tell. So. Steve Price coming up after 8 o'clock, so stay tuned. We'll be getting the best lowdown and information from Stevie Price. Who was the top scorer? And the first Ashes test of the series. Uh, Usman Khawaja. Bang. Correct. Question number three. Nick Evans played 16 tests for the All Blacks. Who 
did his only All Black loss come against? Um, it would have been France and Cardiff. It was correct. Oh. <laughs> He's a rugby man, Tim. He's a rugby man. Oh, oh, I was at that game. Oh. <laughs> and it still hurts. flooding in. Well, there you go. Nick, Nick Evans <laughs> is coming up after 7 o'clock. So if you've got anything to say to Nick, make sure you send a message through double eight double three. Question number four, Timmy. Football Ferns, goalkeeper Vic Essen plays her club football for which UK-based team? Uh, shit. Um, Not them. Is she, mm. is she at Chelsea? Don't know. Further north Not than at that. Not Chelsea. Sorry, Tim. Have a... Have a, have a good day, my good friend. Run. We're going to go to Wellington and chat to Nick. Morning, Nick. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Morning, Nick. Good, thank you. Football Ferns goalkeeper Vic Essen plays her club football for which UK-based team? Did, did you say it was north of... Uh, north of... Um, way north. Chelsea. Way, way, way north. north. Like border, oh. border north. Over border the border. North. Oh, over the border. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, There's only two oh, there. Should we say, oh, what's border? Oh, should we Scotland, say Scotland? Oh, Scotland, Edinburgh. I don't know. <laughs> nah, not Edinburgh. Sorry, There's only Nick. two soccer teams up there. Hit one of them right. Have a good day, Nick. Ed from Tolaga. Oh, Glasgow Rangers. Glasgow Rangers is correct. Question number five, Ed, to get you 50 bucks. Here we go. Steve Price played 222 times for the Bulldogs before moving to the Warriors. But which team did he debut against? It's for the dogs, not for the Warriors, that is. For the dogs. Yeah, who did he debut against? Yeah, who did he debut for the dogs against, Ed? In 1994. That's hard, man. Do you want a clue? Okay, Tim, what's our clue? Okay, because I'm going to throw this is pretty hard. Ross Conlon. Oh, is he a Tiger? Is he a what? (laughs) 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 The Bow Bay Tigers, Ed. 50 bucks coming your way. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while, isn't it? <laughs> well done, Ed. Ross Conlon played on the wing, mate. That's a good memory. Rick Dog was looking at me going, just who? Uh, who? <laughs> I was going to go Junior what? Pierce or something like that, but no. <laughs> well done, Ed. $50 TAV bonus bet coming your way. We better shoot off because we've got Kempi's Love Racing update coming up. Try the new Masashi Protein Chop Slab from Chemist Warehouse. Only $3.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, that's right. It's three minutes away from 7 o'clock. You can call us anytime. 0800 1508 And it's not just about the ashes up in the UK. It's, uh, of course... Everyone's sitting there at Ascot with their top hats on. There were no heroics last night for the Aussies as Coolangatta and Cannonball were well beaten at Royal Ascot. While there was a controversial finish of the King's stand at Royal Ascot, there was no heroics to follow the brilliant win of Nature Strip last year as the Australian contingent of Coolangatta and Cannonball finished well back behind the local three-year-old Bradsall. Coolangatta had raced with the leaders from the outset on the inside rail side of the course, but she couldn't go 
on and under the urgings of James McDonald, our great jockey, and dropped out early to finish worse than midfield, while Cannonball led a group of three on the grandstand side, uh, grandstand side, but was beaten a long way from the finish and dropped out to finish last. Uh, Kira Maha, the, the trainer for Cool and Gaddis Performance, said she was a bit agitated in the stalls and one uncharacteristically for her. And she, James said she actually reared up, so she travelled good and the ground was a bit testing. So if you're having a bet, there's a bit of giving that ground on um, those horses. Cannonball, the leader on the stand side, he couldn't go with it all the long way out. So it's getting a bit, bit tied up there. There was, wasn't too many um, favourites. Well, I think there was only one in the second race that that one. Uh, so if you're having a bet, have a look for some uh, outsiders there. Also, a bit of news coming out of Australia about Woodamoo Pin. They've uh, click, clicked onto. He's actually not a not a bad jockey. Rid of this two k claimer, and the stewards have actually lodged a protest. So um, they're considering taking all those winners off him um, since he's been over there, and we'll have to just watch mm. uh, the it's, news with that. What? That, yep, Get out of it. That'll be interesting. We'll it. follow that. Uh, but I was going to. There's racing at Pukeko today. I liked uh, a horse in race three called Edit. Uh, it's been scratched so let's go to race number nine number four late to the party I reckon it gets its first wins today it's at that five dollars two dollars fixed have a crack at it late to the party thank you that's uh, it for Love Racing let's go to Aroha for Kubota shaping and building New Zealand Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SENZ, just after 7 o'clock on a Wednesday, the 21st of June. I know you're probably just nodding off. You've got your phones next to you with the app download. You've been listening to the Ashes all throughout the night. It was an unbelievable finish over there at Ed Bashton in the UK. Australia getting the job done in the end. We're going to cross over the UK now to Brighton, where England uh, squad have been for the last two weeks uh, for their pre-training camp for the World Cup. And Nick Evans, a former All Black, now coaching the England side. It'll be interesting to know, see who he was cheering on. Nick Evans, good morning to you. How you going, guys? You all right? Good, mate. Good. Obviously, you would have been watching that Ashes series, the big finale. Nick Cummins... Uh, uh, Pat Cummins, sorry, and uh, Nathan Lyon getting the job done in the end, mate. Are you a fan of England? Were you supporting them? Obviously, you're in camp, so you're probably forced to. <laughs> uh, there's a um, uh, there's a couple of Kiwis uh, leading that, so obviously Baz and um, and Stokesy are, are leading that. So um, it's hard not to kind of cheer for them. And being up here for nearly 16 years now, um, wow. kind of like my kids, my kids forced me to do it now, um, pretty much. So, <laughs> and especially against the, uh, the the brothers from across the ditch. So, now nah, no, what a finish though. Um, now, nah, brilliant, brilliant advertisement for uh, Test cricket. Hey yeah, Nick, beautiful how, mate, it was. Hey Nick, how old are the kids? 
mate, I have got one who's just finished A level, so seventeen. Um, she's into the going into the old wide world, and then I've got ten and six. So the ten-year-old's into footy, like full footy, um, loves it, uh, and then the six-year-old just bounces off the walls, mate, as they do. Well, English <laughs> English passports, mate. So so are they sporty? Are both their kids are they are they actually yeah, looking to yeah. play play sport? Yeah, the middle one probably more. So he's, he's in the football academy up here, um, and and it's a numbers game up here. So like it's you know he's training like three times a week and plays a game on a Sunday. He's only 10 and he's, you know, he's doing two hours, three times a week um, and then trains and, and, and travels. So he's on their books. And as I said, mate, it's like a numbers game, this football malarkey, but um, it's, it's pretty full on, but he enjoys it and gets stuck into to everything else as well. Football, you mean like the, the, the round ball? Are you talking, you're talking rugby? Would you like me to say soccer? No, no I, ju- I just want to clarify because I, I prefer Come football on, as well. But, you know, you know, I know what you're saying. Kempe, Kempe's starting to sound like a crusader. I thought he was trying to poach your kids there for a second, mate, um, and get them over. You, you reckon they'll play for England or New Zealand if, if they get the opportunity? Oh, mate. Well, mate, with the money that's up here, they can stay up here as long as they want with the football, with the football business. Um, Rugby-wise, mate, I'll, send them, I'll definitely send them back down. Good man. Dad. Dad retiring at uh, the old age of 49, 50. That's on the cards, eh, Nick Evans, mate? mate hey, uh, if, we appreciate you. you. the right way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Agent hey, Evans. mate, what's been happening? <laughs> Agent Evans. What's been happening, mate? You've obviously had a two-week camp. Um, How's that going? Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Um, actually out of camp at the moment. I'm just back at Quinn's for a bit. Um, just just mm. back coaching then. Uh, it's the start of the preseason. So um, England are going through kind of, they've, they've got a three-stage camp um, process at the moment because we've only just finished uh, semi-finals and finals of the domestic comp up here. So uh, all the guys, all the, the players um, in the semi-finals are only due back this week. Um, you know, like top 14, the French League's only just finished this weekend. So, um, as you guys know, it's a pretty marathon domestic competition up here. So, there's a bit of a, a three-step process in terms of camps. Um, and the, the boys are just working hard, um, just kind of developing the game. Uh, it, it's interesting because England are going to be in a pretty interesting position. Like, the, the, the plan was Eddie Jones to take them to the World Cup. But obviously, he, he got chucked out and, and Steve's come in. And I think it's, um, you know... The, the process will just be hard to beat. Um, you know, real simple game plan, hard to beat. Make a real good defence. Um, be have a solid kicking game as you need in the in the World Cup, and and then kind of take teams to, to to a place where you know anything can happen. Hey, Nick, just on just on that, when you're talking about defence, you got Kevin Sinfield in there. He's coming. You know, had that wonderful um, league career with Great Britain and and of course Leeds. What, what's it been like sitting there um, listening to him talking defence as a as a defensive coach? He's um he's he's a brilliant human being, mate. Um, you've obviously seen all the things he's done, uh, you know, charity wise for Rob Burrow and um, you know, and uh, you know, the, the illness that he has and um and things. You know, he runs marathons. You know, he does a half marathon every other day. He's unbelievable. Um, but he's an inspirational guy. Um, you know, all that he's done in rugby league for Leeds up here. Um, you know, his, his, his kind of reputation is, is, is unbelievable in the world of uh, rugby league and sport up here. And, and it, just the way he speaks, um, you know, he's a motive guy and he, he, he just gets guys really, really wanting to play for him. Um, so, so he's been brilliant. He's been really, really brilliant. And he's the first one to hold his hand up and say he doesn't know everything about defence, um, but he knows what it takes emotionally um, and he knows what it takes attitude-wise. So... So England will be good. England will be good defensively at the World Cup, um, and they'll be hard to break down.
Well, on the flip side, attack. We've had um, a couple of pundits from the UK over uh, on the show down under, and um, just talking to them about the mindset. And we know what kind of player you were, and you're a very attacking mm. mindseted player. You, you know, you got great skills. Are you able to implement that into England's um, kind of style at the moment? Do, do you feel like if they were able to play an expansive game, the skill sets could suit and match, or is that kind of a, a work in progress for yourself? That will be a that will be a big work in progress. So, so what's going to happen is is this probably hasn't got the news hasn't gone down there. Like I'm I'm not going to go to the World Cup. I'm going to stay at Quinns because um, I'm mm. contracted to a Harlequin. So they've, they've basically kind of blocked my my ability to go to the World Cup. So the mm. Six Nations and the lead up wow. um, was uh, was 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 for me to be be in there. Um, to answer your question, like um, mate, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, they'll like. The, the skill level is there. Um, certainly, through through the younger younger levels, it, it's getting better. Um, but it's, as you said there, mate, it's a it's a mindset. Um, and if your coaches have a mindset around uh, a bit more pragmatism around the game, um, that that filters down, as you know. So, uh, I think you'll see just purely from the fact that Eddie Jones left and Steve's come in, and there's only been a like, they've had a Six Nations together, um, they've had a couple of camps, and then they're going to go to a World Cup. Um, and you know how hard it is to implement a attacking game plan, especially if you're going to move the ball around. You know, you've got to have feel, you've got to have trust in each other, you've got to know what the guy inside you and the guy outside is going to do. So that's going to take a lot of time. So as I said before, uh, England England will be hard to beat. They're going to make themselves as hard to beat as they can, um, and then they'll just look to take opportunities where they can. Nick, just expanding on what Izzy's asked you there, what you know, can you give us a little bit of understanding on the thought process of someone like Steve Borthwick when it, it comes to coaching? Because we look at it obviously and think, oh, it's ten man rugby. They don't do a lot with the ball. They just they just you know looked for set piece and then capitalise on mistakes. Can you can you kind of expand on that on that mindset? Yeah, it's, um, I think it, it's, it comes comes a lot from identity, um, and I think one of the great things around the product up here, around domestically, is certainly we've got a lot of different teams that have different identities, which is fantastic. Um, you know, every week you're, you're playing against a different attacking system. You might be up against a Leicester or Sarries, which are very, uh, or say, which is very much like in England, uh, which is physicality, um, set piece dominance, um, you know, high press and defence, and a very very strong kicking game. Um, you know, in their half, it's get out and stay out and then um, force pressure on the opposition. And then the next week, you'll come up against the Bristol or, or my club, Quinns, which is which is very much play what you see. Um, you know, not trying to coach robots, uh, try and try and entertain, which is which is a big part of our identity at Quinns. Um, but I think you guys both know and, and, and probably appreciate international footy, especially test level. You've got to have strong parts of the game and certainly the kicking game and, uh, and, and defensive is, is part of that. Um, I think now, like you've got to be able to score points. Um, if you're going to beat France, if you're going to beat Ireland, you've got to score points against them because they're they're brilliant at the moment. And the same same for New Zealand. So look, England England will have to just stay in the fight, mate. They're just going to look to stay in the fight. Steve um, is a very stat based guy. He's very very driven by that. Uh, he, he has a really good clear uh, process on what wins Tier One Nation Test matches, um, and and having a strong defence and kicking game is is part of that. So. That they'll lean on that probably more so than their attack. 
Has he not been watching bears, mate? Throw the laptop out the window. <laughs> I don't think so, mate. I don't think so. As I said, mate, uh, I try. I try my best, but um, <laughs> I tried I had limited limited time to get in there. I'm going to try and catch up with Baz when when the uh, when the Ashes is finished and, and, and have a chat and see how he's how he's doing things because um, yeah, he certainly they've certainly turned that mindset around and obviously they lost today, but. Um, there's there's a changing of identity there with the personnel that they've got, and um, they've done a brilliant job, so it can be done. Beautiful. Oh, you played a lot at ten, and you're a, you're a fantastic ten. Who's leading the? Who's front runner to take the ten jersey for England? Uh, Marcus Smith, Owen Farrell. You got George Ford. Is there anyone else? And who who's in favour in your in your eyes? Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be definitely be one of those three, mate. Um, I think they'll they'll take all three of them. Uh, in my opinion, they'll they'll use Farrell as a as a twelve as well. Um, they they all bring something different. Um, you know, Farrell's like the ultimate competitor. Um, unbelievable in terms of his um, his drive for the team. Um, you know, the guy the guys follow him and he speaks very well. He's he's physical. He's he understands the plan and he can lead them lead the team around. George Ford has a bit of both. He can he can play a bit. Um, can bring bring the forwards into the game, can move the ball about. Marcus is just your X factor, mate. He's he's your unpredictable guy. Um, he's the one that can tear defences open. Um, I'd love to see him play more. Um, I'm not sure if he will uh, because he's probably third in the picking order around his kicking game and, and probably around defence with with George. So um, I, I think uh, I think it'll be close between Farrell and, and, and George. Um, I think whoever doesn't play will probably not sit on the bench. I think that he'll probably have Marcus on the bench for when it gets into that situation where he needs something or he wants to break the game open. He's the perfect guy to bring on. Hey, Nick, I just want to ask you a question. Just, you know, we talk about it a lot down here. We've seen a couple of clubs up there fold and, and you mentioned it, that um, you're not going to the to the Rugby World Cup. What's it, what is it like, the relationship between the clubs and the English um, RU? You know, how, how come there's that, dis, uh, I guess, that disparity around, you know, putting them first as opposed to the club? Can you explain how that works for us? Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a bit different because of, uh, I think if you look at the island, Ireland and New Zealand model, um, it's, you know, it's Team All Blacks and Team Ireland. Um, you know, everything's aligned to make uh, Ireland and New Zealand the best team it can possibly be. Um, you know, Ireland are pretty much the Leinster team, obviously, with, the, with a few people uh, coming from the other provinces. Uh, you know, New Zealand's obviously made up now of a, of a bit more, but back in the day, you know, predominantly, uh, um, you know, uh, one team would, would dominate the... You know, Izzy's day was probably more so the Crusaders. You know, it used to be the uh, the Blues, but whatnot. But everything's made to make the All Blacks the best the best team it can be. Um, England, you've got well, I was going to say you've got twelve teams. You've got ten now um, that are all privately owned. That that the owners want the club to win. Um, you know, they, they've got no interest in, in how they help the RFU. Uh, and there's always going to be a battle between um, you know Premier Rugby, the RFU, or Premier Rugby who governs the the clubs and the RFU who who look after England. Um, so that pathway is, is, can be can be really tough. Um, what's what you're seeing at the moment with the clubs folding, which is which is brutal and really sad up here. You know, a lot of guys that just have just lost their job, um, not just players but but staff as well, is, is is the pure fact that, as I said before, the product on the field is brilliant. Um, you know, up here with with top forward with Europe and and domestically, the, the rugby's outstanding. You know, there's brilliant players. There's just the the money's not there at the moment. The the salary craps are there, and there's no one governing these clubs and and, and monitoring how they're spending their money. Um, 
and, and three clubs have, have, have fallen away from the pure fact that, that they just haven't managed their own businesses and they haven't managed it well enough. Um, and people just don't want to buy rubber clubs anymore. Um, it's not, it's, you're going to lose money. Um, you, you have to wipe debt and it's tough to, it's tough to bridge that gap. So it's a, it's a tough position they're in at the moment. Um, and you know, we need, we need a, we need people in the right position at the top level um, to, to, to fix it. I think 10, 10 teams is probably what everyone wants up here and we can now look to probably franchise it hopefully a little bit more. Um, the, people want to watch the best players play against the best players and before or currently at the moment during the Six Nations we've been playing and all our best players go away uh, mm. and you wonder why people don't come and watch. Is there any thought, Nick, uh, or has been any conversation about you know in football? Obviously, we talked about that earlier with your with your son. But they have financial fair play where you're only allowed to spend X amount of your turnover on your team to try and keep clubs sustainable. Is there has been any talk about introducing anything like that? Yeah, so we have a salary cap. Um, we do have a salary cap, and it's it's dropped. Uh, it's dropped to five point two um, from six point four uh, in comparison. Uh, the French league, I think they operate at about 12. So you know that is almost double what we what, what we can play for our players. The idea of dropping it was was to again help uh, around squad sizes, um, but unfortunately it's just kind of inflated. That the, the top players will still get paid what they get paid, um, and people have now just looked to, to invest in the young players. So you get this middle bridge of players that that, that have had their salaries cut by about 25 to 30 percent. Um, which is which is which has made it pretty tough as well. So, yeah, we do have a salary cap, um, and it, it does, you know, stop spending a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, now, um, you know, the, the wage wages are just going up, and and our salary cap's going down, and and we just lose players. We're losing players to the big clubs in France. We're losing players to the big clubs in in Japan. I mean, there's not many teams. I mean, when I when I came over here in 2008, there was a steady stream of of All Blacks and good All Blacks maybe more so to the end of their career, but even some that were still at their peak coming over and playing in the English league. I mean, you don't really see that much now. Uh, it's not as as lucrative as it was before. So it's, you know, we want to get the best English players, but we also want to have a, a real good steady stream of good quality foreign players up here as well. And, and that's probably not where it used to be uh, as it was before. Yeah, it's crazy times. Eh? It's interesting to watch it all unfold down here and and see what's taking place, mate. It's never a good thing when you see players um, losing financial uh, stability and and things like that. So we'll be watching the space with interest, mate. Just quickly before we let you go, we had a quiz on the show, and if you want to get into Ricardo, this is your chance. Here was our question number three: Nick Evans played sixteen tests for the All Blacks. Who did his only All Black loss come against? You want me to answer that? <laughs> no. This is your time to have a have a go at him, mate. This is your time to have a mate, go at him. Mate, that is horrendous. You want, you want me to bring that? You want me to bring mate, that? Oh, man. That is what I gave me nightmares. Gave me nightmares. And I said, poor Nick. Mate, it gave you nightmares. <laughs> what, what happened, Nick? Was it your, was it your kicking <laughs> game? Oh, oh. Oh. Uh, no, it definitely wasn't that. It was a little bit, a little bit uh, higher up than that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right, Nick, we always, I, I always try and put questions in the quiz relating to guests who were coming on the show. But uh, Tim from Christchurch, who had to answer that question, reacted much like you did. He said it still gives him nightmares. So. <laughs> 
And that well, was guy Tim, across you taking the quiz. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's one for a yeah, that's a one for another time probably. Yeah, <laughs> after leave, a few beers, yeah, we'll leave that on a space bottle cap, mate. Leave it on a space <laughs> bottle cap. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, 100%. mate, will you ever come home, Nick? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, no, I mean, I've been planning to try and come home for the last few years, but you know what rugby's like, especially yeah. if you're a coach. She's a pretty, uh, she's a pretty tough market to get into. But no, nah, I'll, I'll bring the family home definitely one day, um, and and try and give back to to New Zealand rugby in, in some capacity. You won't be coming home. Point of difference. You won't be coming home if you got the next Beckham. <laughs> well, no, that's true, mate. If he if he turns out to be that, then no, I'll I'll buy a house and I'll live. Summer, summer to summer, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> the Eternal Summer with Nick Evans. It sounds like a TV show. I like it. I like it. Uh, Nick, thanks very much for your time, brother. Go well. And, uh, yes, mate. Uh, yeah, appreciate your time. By the, by the way, the Blues are looking for a head coach. They still haven't appointed anyone if you're looking, mate, just quietly. Um, I'll send my CV in. Yeah, do that, mate. Do that. <laughs> Nick Evans, thank you very much, too. Go well. It is 7.22 here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Well, here in the news yesterday that the All Whites took an unprecedented stand not to return to play after halftime against Qatar because of racial abuse aimed at Michael Boxall has to go down as one of the bravest decisions a New Zealand team has made in the modern era. A a storyline more akin to something out of a movie, this incident has also raised questions about how far we have not come when it comes to racism in sport. Now, most of us have either experienced or witnessed some form of racism in sport. I know I certainly have. Had to deal with a fair share of it over the years. And here's the question that raises its head when you are confronted with these situations. Where is your line in the sand when it comes to racism in sport? The colour of a man's skin is of no more significance than the colour of his eyes. But if we stand by and watch repeated systemic racism in sport, then sporting bodies will never ever be held to account. I hope FIFA come down with the full weight of its jurisdiction against the racism scene in the All Whites case. And I hope we all step up, not step back, if we ever hear any type of racial abuse used in any form or manner in our chosen chosen sport. There simply is no place for racism anywhere. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Thank you, Kempy. Honestly, uh, right on the money. Racism is everywhere, and I can't understand it. And... um it is frustrating, particularly in, in a world where everyone comes from different walks of life. But mm. particularly with football, um, Ricardo, I feel like it's prevalent in football right now. It's everywhere, you know, from fans, from players. Like racism is a big blight in the game of football at the moment. Are FIFA doing enough? Stop this to to put an end to this? No, they're not. You know, to be honest, and neither are UEFA, who are the European uh, controlling body. They, you know, I think it says everything that a player who, in Ivan Tony, who's been done uh, for gambling, for making bets on football, has been banned for longer than a guy who's given someone else racist abuse on the field. Mm. That shows you where the priority is, and it's not with cleaning that up, right? Uh, we saw recently Vinicius Junior. Uh, plays for Real Madrid, Brazilian guy. Um, he uh, was racially abused in uh, La Liga and, uh, you know, left the field, brought it to the attention of the referee, uh, got into an argument with some fans, ended up getting red-carded by the referee for his interactions with the fans. Wow. 
you know, and that was then rescinded, and the La Liga went, oh, hang on, we got the, we got this wrong. But the La Liga have not done anywhere near enough, and you know, culturally it's different there. I get that, but it doesn't mean it's right. They they kind of see it slightly differently. That said, they've had to take a back seat now because FIFA have got involved and they just held the game against racism with Vinicius Junior captaining a Brazilian team that wore black and won uh, all black in one half and then came out in the Brazilian kit in the second half. And they're trying to do things like that. But a lot of it's tokenism. I, you know, as Smithy said yesterday in a sermon, it's Qatar. Who's fueling the FIFA bus? Are they really going to do anything? It's it's money, and it's you know it, it really it, it hit a, a I guess a, a, um, a deep cut in me because you know I've never really spoken about it, but there's three significant instances in my career which I write about in my book um, where racism was was prevalent in my career, and they're really prominent names. You know what I mean? And I got in a lot of trouble for it um, um, for standing up to it um, as a young fella because I just I can't stand it um, but to hear that that type of like seriously I actually I agree with Izzy I think it's getting worse I don't think it's getting better and I think we this you know people sweep this under the carpet you know let's just watch the sport you can't watch sport if racism is involved you just you know I don't ever want to watch that team you know that, that Qatar team I don't want to have anything to do with them you know, we had, a, we had a bloke called Henderson Gill in rugby league years ago that would run down the sideline and they'd throw bananas on the pitch. Like, that is, you know, if I was if I was running down the pitch, when I was playing, I would have jumped over the, I would have did an Eric Cantona. Um, but yeah, it just, it has to it has to stop. But my point being, everyone has to make a stand. It can't just be one or two. Everyone has to stand. Mm, yeah, Education. It's, Educate it, yourself and, and just understand, like, it, it, oh. Kempi, I'm sorry that you had to be dealt those situations, and we've all been through it, and it's um, it's not nice. And I just hope Qatar and FIFA do the right thing here, Ricardo. If it doesn't matter, money aside, power. Yes, they had a World Cup, they hosted a World Cup. That doesn't matter. They have to make a stance. Otherwise, this is brushing it under the under the carpet, and we're never going to get anything sorted. Honestly, if they don't, this is. What's his name? Or Gian, Giannettini, whatever his name is, yeah, sorted out. Yeah, Infantino, uh, Gianni Infantino. Infantino. Uh, I mean, and that is the thing. I mean, Qatar are going into uh, some tournament now, and the guy that's been accused of it has been included in their team. So Qatar are doing nothing. In fact, Qatar have now come out and said he didn't racially abuse anybody. In fact, he was racially abused. That's where they're going. Oh, so. that's a perfect husband-wife fight. Yeah, so that's where that sits. Qatar will do nothing. Um, they, they're they in a situation where, as far as they're concerned, the referee didn't hear anything, so it didn't happen. That's basically uh, what they're doing. It's head in the sand stuff. Uh, 27 away from 8 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. When we come back after the latest in news and sport, uh, we'll have some headlines for you. We're going to do uh, learnings as well. We'll have, find out more about a minority sport that uh, you can... Uh, partake and I, I partook in it last night this particular one we'll talk more about that <laughs> here is Araha though with the latest in, in news thanks to Kubota we're building and shaping New Zealand
23 away from 8 o'clock on SENZ. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. This is your Kenna Tire 2 Easy Weekend Sports Headlines. And uh, boys, the Golden State Warriors for Draymond Green has declined. Uh, $27.6 million player option, that's US, and is going unrestricted. Uh, that's according to Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul. Uh, he says, we'll continue to talk to Golden State and explore all the options he manages, Draymond Green. It was expected Green would opt out. Now he can talk with the Warriors, but explore other sign-in trades and free agency as well. At his uh, news conference, the Warriors general manager, Mike Dunleavy Jr., said bringing Green back to the Warriors was a top priority. Ian Foster and the Crusaders coaching staff seem to be at odds on the chances of Sam Whitelock playing in the Super Rugby final. After the naming of the All Black squad off for the Rugby Championship on Sunday, Foster said, well, we will wait and see on Sam Whitelock. We certainly wouldn't expect him to play based on the medical data we've got on his Achilles. But Crusaders assistant Dan Perrin insists the decision is up to Whitelock, indicating he could feature Saturday night. Sammy, watching that guy right He's playing, yeah, Sammy. That's <laughs> what he says. Watching that guy rehab his Achilles injury over the last two or three weeks is unbelievable. He's got his foot in an ice bucket every morning. He's in with the physios three or four times a day. He's doing everything he can, he can to make himself available. At the end of the day, you trust his decision. He's an experienced campaigner, so we trust the decision he makes. Is he? Have you got some? In, have you got Dada. some oil? Dara. No, I'm just holding up a red and black pen. Um, Dara. <laughs> I'm just going to ask the question, what is he, mate? Is he a leopard or is he a giraffe? Have you ever seen a giraffe pull, a, pull an Achilles? No. Mate, he ain't, he ain't sprinting anywhere to rip it up. He's just <laughs> going to get in there. I'm more Dada. worried about him getting split on top of his head. Dala? Dala won't tell you how the body's feeling. He'll make that decision. Yeah. Sammy Whitelock's playing, baby. Come on. Because <laughs> you can it's like two easy weekend. Two days over the price of one. Visit a brunch today. T's and T's apply. Those are your sports news headlines, boys. Just quickly, before yep. we shoot off, Ricardo, mm. just tacking back to Kempe's off the back fence. Because the All Whites is not seen as a major powerhouse in the footballing world, will this be swept under the carpet? I think they'll try and sweep it under the carpet, but I, I, the timing of this is interesting, right? Because where's the, the next big FIFA tournament? It's here. Mm. So it's here in Australia. So I think that probably adds weight to it. It's going to be really interesting to see what, if anything, FIFA do. They have said there is going to be an investigation. What that means, yeah. we'll have to wait. Well, here's one, here's one for you, Izzy. Qatar have been mentioned as uh, hosts of the next Rugby League, uh, Rugby League World Cup. I won't be watching it. Mm. If it goes there, I'll, I seriously won't be watching it. Um, and that's 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 the point on a on a stand like make a stand, you know. Don't don't accept this type of you know do you, racism. Do you we'll oh, find out what annoys me. What he said. Do you reckon we'll ever get to the bottom of what was actually said? Because it'd be interesting to hear what, what well, that the, said. The, the, it is. It is, and I, I've got a theory on what it is that's been said, but I've got no way of backing this up without having talk, talking to Michael Boxall, but or some of those players in the Kiwi team. But I mean, the guy who said it is a twenty-three-year-old African guy. I know, right? So, I yeah. So what's he going at? Well, yeah. What angles he going in with? Well, that, that's that, that, that's my thought exactly. That's the big question mark, and we'll have to we'll have to. I think it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see on that one. I wouldn't be surprised, and not and I'm not in any way saying it's okay, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's ripped out the N word out of context and 
thinking that it's okay because uh, you know I've talked to a couple of people from that part of the world who said but until they moved here they didn't realise it was a bad word. Mm. So maybe it's something like that, but we don't know at this stage. Either way, okay. some education is definitely required. It's 19 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. When we come back, it's all about learnings. Learning. We'll take those learnings. It's also the learnings you get. Yeah, I hope you'll take plenty of learnings. What are the learnings? There's going to be multiple learnings to come out of this. Being able to take those learnings. Seventeen away from eight on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. That is time for some learnings, and today uh, we are looking at archery with world champion archer Linda Lanchbury. Linda, good morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Ricardo. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to a chat today. Yeah, mate. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. Uh, this this entire segment is about us talking non mainstream sports, I guess, that we don't get to hear about too much, and getting educated on it. Because uh, you know, I, I didn't think we could call the, sh- the segment "Sport for Dummies," so we're calling it l- uh, "Learnings." But that's basically what it is, mate. So uh, you're talking to three blokes who know nothing, pretty much. So educate us a little bit, mate. Um, how does how does competitive archery work, and and how many types are there? Well, there's several. Um, you can start into archery and um, just do it casually, you know, either on a landscape property that you have um, or at a club level. You can enter into archery as a competitor and it really depends on whether you want to do two types of archery, which is target archery, which is in a field like you'd see at the Olympics and you just shoot at one target for, for the whole day, or you can do a very interesting, um, another style of archery, which is field archery. In field archery, you walk through the forest or the bush and you walk over bridges and ponds and things and you shoot different targets yep. um, at set distances. So there's two different sorts there. That's my and that's my get, sort, Linda. Yeah, to, that one where you walk through the <laughs> yeah. bush. Like when I was a kid, we they still called bow and arrows. You know, when you're playing cowboys and Indians, <laughs> I always wanted to be the Indian <laughs> with a bow and arrow. Go and get me a piece of bamboo, some fishing line, and make a little... <laughs> little um, bow sort of with that and then I'd go and find me a nice long stick and just try and fire it. What do you, is that when you walk out the door, do you go, Lisa, I'm just going shooting with my bow and arrow? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we all grew up doing that and I think um, if that's stuck in your head one day, everyone that I speak to has always said, they walk in the shop here, we have an archery store, and they walk in and say, I've always wanted to do it. And I don't know that many people that haven't said that to me. Um, whether they do it or not, it's another thing. But yeah, it's pretty much um, you know, the, the idea of the romance of picking up a piece of wood and then launching this arrow and it hits the target like we see on TV just doesn't happen. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just what we call a struggle stick. All right, sort of. Okay. If you just pick up a, <laughs> it's you have to really stick. do some practice. I'm struggle, I'm struggle stick here. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like your golf clubs, is he? <laughs> yeah, actually, that golf is very similar. You can call a golf club a struggle stick as well. Yeah. All again, no idea. That's me. Uh, if I wanted to pick up the sport, how would I get into mm-hmm. it? And just quickly, do you need license to go get a bow and arrow? No, no, you don't. No, you don't. That's the scary part, I guess. But, um, and I think that's a good thing in a way. Um, if, if everything's licensed, no one will actually want to go through all that drama. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a sport that um, you can you can actually 
turn up to a club, an archery club, and inquire about beginning archery, and they'll send you to a course of some sort, and there'll be people within the club or within a archery store that will actually teach people how to shoot a bow and arrow correctly. And once you do that, then you can decide if you like it or not, and then go from there. Okay, talk us through the steps. When you're going to just fire that bow at, at the target and you're standing there, do you do you lick your finger and put it in the air just to get the, the wind pressure and see which way the wind's gone? And just while you're standing there and you release that arrow and then you drop it, yep. are you, are you, is it like golf? Are you holding the pose? Yes, absolutely. Especially if there's a crowd, right? It's all about drama. <laughs> you got to look cool. got to hold the pose. <laughs> Hey, Linda, just tell us, just tell even us. If like, do, even if you don't know what you're doing, you've got to look good. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's me. So everyone's try, or everyone's thought about it, Linda, and, you know, when you're thinking about bow and arrows, the well, first one for me is cowboy and Indians. used to love that. Um, but what yep. about the apple on the head? Have you had a crack at that? <laughs> um, I've thought about it with a few people. Um, but, yeah. It's <laughs> but it's actually a grape, all right? It's not an apple, all right? It's a grape. But yeah, there's a... No, yeah. It's, there, is this, there is this thing about apple on the head, and it was a crossbow, apparently, when that happened. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, that, that's a level of um, danger. You know, we try to sort of mm. avoid avoid that um so we were we were asked that same question when we went on the breakfast show a few years ago about apple on the head and we just went no that's just something that we wouldn't even you know look at we you, think about it but you've been watching too many movies kimpy you've been watching too many bloody movies my friend um okay okay so so everyone's got their greatest shot you know i've stiffed one in there right to about two meters nearly got a hole in one what is your greatest shot mm-hmm. in archer, archery my greatest shot is 72 metres, 12 arrows in a row in the X. It took me, I think, three years to do it of practice. So, so what, what are you benching? <laughs> a lot? No. No, it's actually... Um, the great thing about archery is that, and, and I think one deterrent is that people will walk in here and they, or they won't walk in here for, because they're not strong enough. They think they're not strong enough to do archery. They think they have to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger to be able to do it. And it's completely wrong, right? So I've got kids that are five years old shooting compound bows, right up to 85 years old shooting compound bows and recurves. So all the different styles of bows, and from ages of five up to 85 plus. Oh, that's awesome. We will set a bow up. Yeah, we will set a bow up to somebody's capability. And I think that's the biggest thing that will stop your average person who knows absolutely nothing about archery and getting into the sport. They think they're not strong enough. And the kids out there, especially the kids that are non-contact sport kids, and there's a lot of them, um, and I think there's probably way more now than there ever used to be. We all just used to run out in gumboots or kick them off bare feet, jandals, and go and do whatever we want and roll around the grass. But kids just don't do that these days. And parents are quite particular whether they do a rugby or they do hockey or something. If they think their child is not a contact sport child. I'm driving,
morning, Izzy Kempe for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 8 o'clock, Wednesday the 21st of June. It's been a great show so far. We had Nick Evans out of the 7 o'clock hour, and we had Linda talking archery learnings uh, at about 7.40 this morning. Great to have a different perspective on the show, and well, we all learnt a lot, didn't we? Robin Hood and old uh, Batman up there in Auckland, uh, got, a, got a lot of learnings out of that. Little conversation with Linda, we appreciate it. And well, Rick Dog, uh, potentially got a future in the game of archery there, my friend. So you'll be full of confidence. But we're going to be talking rugby league because it is State of Origin 2 in Brisbane at Suncourt Stadium. And who have we got on the line, Kempe? Yes, well, who better to go to than former Warriors captain and Origin and kangaroo great Stephen Price? He joins us from up there in Brisbane tonight, and tell, uh, to this morning, and tells us he, he's heading to the game tonight. Pricey, how are you going, mate? Good, Kempe. Very good, mate. Very excited about today. A lovely day of the uh, time of the year. There's three of them that are really exciting. Mate, you're up early. What are you up to? Yeah, I'm working, mate. Um, so yeah, up and up and into it, and then um, jump in the car and drive to Brizzy in Swinburne at the moment, and uh, get ready, go with the boss to uh, to the game tonight. Mate, can you just the other 50,000 50, screaming? I oh, know fifty thousand, and you used to being out there in front of it. I just, I just want to ask the price, uh, the question, Pricey. What's it like, like game two in Brisbane, um, and you basically can wrap it up tonight? What's it like? What are the Queensland boys going through at the moment? Yeah, I, I really love how the how they're coming across the way Billy's handling the the camp. All the boys seem pretty relaxed and and just really. Um, understanding of what tasks in front of them they they look at all the stats from the first game and, and we were dominated or beaten in nearly every stat other than on the scoreboard so um, Billy's just talking about improving on the performance from game one and we're able to get the win then so uh, New South Wales obviously are desperate and that's the thing of game two every series there's one team that has to win and there's one team that if they win they can um, wrap up the series and how good would it be to um, wrap up the series tonight and then go into New South Wales uh, for game three. Pricey, Suncorp Stadium hasn't been a happy hunting ground for New South Wales. Why is Suncorp such a difficult place to play? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I saw that stat and I, I sort of couldn't understand it because it sort of always felt, particularly when they're having their good run, that, that they won wherever the, the games were played. But, yeah, certainly the crowd, um, 50,000 Maroon, you know, lunatics going crazy, um, you know, for the one team. And and the boys, I think, just getting to play back in Queensland. Obviously, a couple of years ago, we had the COVID and all the games were played in Queensland. We were only able to win one of those. But, um, yeah, I... I don't know, it's just having the, the game out of Queensland or New South Wales for game one, then you come back to either New South Wales or Queensland and having, having had that win, um, you know, those couple of injuries are disappointing, you know, for, for Tom and um, uh, I can't remember the other boy who got injured, but it's really sad for those two boys to be injured. And a couple of boys Jai coming Arrow. in are going to be, yeah, Jai Arrow, really excited about getting the opportunity, so... That's what Billy's been able to create. There's 17 guys that'll go out and represent our state and they'll do the very, very best they can do. So um, really looking forward to it. And it's good to see New South Wales under pressure. You know, they're sort of always <laughs> seem to be the ones that um, uh, are in control and it looks a little bit out of control at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. 
Pricey, there's a, a famous quote that goes something like, there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. And um, I was looking at this stat the other day. Freddie Fittler in five origin campaigns has won every game too. Uh, does that worry you as a Queenslander? No, well, you know what? Like, one of the things that excites me is whenever there's anything that's been a constant, there's always a day when that's not going to be a constant anymore. So what a better way tonight <laughs> than to, um, to change that, that stat. Um, and, you know, fantastic if we're able to do it. So um, Freddie's going to be hoping that that continues. But, um, yeah, I reckon that the boys can go out and if they can just be probably a little bit in, um, a little bit more in control. We, we sort of, uh, that first game, you know, they were always probably the better-looking team, but then we scored those two quick tries and seemed like we were sort of in control. And then they just went boom, boom, boom and looked as though they were going to do it easy. We get uh, a bloke sent to the sim bin and crazily enough we're able to come home and win the game. So hopefully we can do it a little bit better to, this way tonight. And um, game twos are usually a little bit more um, bigger score lines. They're not as mm. close. Usually game one's a really close game. Game two is a bit of a blowout. And then game three is back to being a tough battle. So it'll be interesting to see how that game goes tonight. I think it's dry. So it should be a good fast surface. Um, and, yeah, it should be a great atmosphere. I think both teams will be really looking forward to the time out on the paddock for 80 minutes. When you think of the game, particularly from New South Wales' point of view, game one, they win with a big pack, Pangai Jr. and co, and he's obviously been replaced. Do you see them being playing a different style of brand of footy? And if they are able to get this done and put the Queensland team under pressure, where would they make those changes? Well... I haven't met Stefano in real life, but I reckon he's bigger than Pengai, so I don't know how the pack's smaller. But, um, yeah, they're, they're a big mobile pack, mate. Um, Damien Cook is a, is a point of difference, I suppose. Reese Robson, I think he's made for Origin. I think the way he plays footy, he's tough. Origin's about effort on effort. So it's about making tackle after tackle and then being able to get back and have a run when you can't breathe anymore and you're not even thinking about anything. You just you just do it. And Reese Robson does that every week for the Cowboys. So uh, I think they've chosen players that will be able to handle the, the pressure of an Origin. And even though it's their first game, I think, you know, he's got a lot of confidence in Stefano and the young boy from South who um, he's had a lot to do with in the junior New South Wales teams. So he's backing those young fellas to just go out and do a, play a role for him. Uh, they've obviously got the strike weapons all across the field. So um, I reckon there's a fair bit of pressure on Moses to be able to control the game. His kicking game is going to be key and he's very good at that, obviously, for Parramatta. But... He probably hasn't nailed that at origin level. He had that one go at it, and um, you know Queensland were able to get the win that night when New South Wales were going for a clean sweep there at the Gold Coast. So uh, a bit of pressure on him, and obviously Luai without um, Nathan Cleary. It's going to be interesting to see how they sort of go together as a combination. And um, I, I suspect, which is what they're talking about, I reckon Robson will start, and then they'll bring Cook on, sort of copying what Queensland do with Harry Grant and um, Ben Hunt. Yeah, try and try and manage that uh, that interchange, a eh, pricey. Yeah. Mate, just to, in and around players, you know, like I hear this: some players are built for Origin, and some um, aren't. And you look at the player of the day in the first uh, Origin, which was Ruben Cotter. Just tell us a little bit about Ruben Cotter and what what the makeup is as far as Ruben goes as an Origin player. 
Yeah, well, he's got a really good speed, mate, and exactly what I was saying about why Reese, I think, will go really good at origin level. He's a guy who, effort on effort, like, you just don't ever seem tired. His body language is always strong. You know, he's, he's, looking, for the, he's looking for the contact. He's either creating it or, or copping it and loves it. The more he cops or the more he gives, the more he goes. So, um, and does that relentlessly for the period of time he's out on the field. Uh, when, when you're out there as a teammate, and you're looking at guys beside you that are doing that, oh, mate, there's no no excuses mm. and no reason why you shouldn't be doing it. And um, that's why the game goes so fast, because you're just looking at what, what your next job is. What am I doing next? Are we running it? Are we tackling? You don't get time to think about being tired. So um, I think Ruben does that really, really well. Pricey, I, I, I want you to. You probably need a shower after I ask you this, but, but, but picture yourself in a in the in the blue camp, um, and, and look at some of the calls they've made on selection. I mean, I can't ever imagine any Queensland team not selecting the current Daily M uh, holder and and best player in the comp, and Nico Hines. If he was a Queenslander, they'd find a place for him. Are you surprised he's not suited up yet? Yeah, it's a hard one, mate. I, you know, I don't know what their process was and what they're looking for. Um, they're pretty lucky. I mean, if you don't pick Nico Hines and you pick uh, Mitchell Moses, it's not a bad sort of backup, is it? Um, whilst Mitchell hasn't won the Dalian Player of the Year, he's certainly in good form and he's turned himself around as he's got older in regards to consistency and being a leader of a team that he's, that he's um, in charge of there at Paris. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad conundrum to be in, I reckon. Uh, we, we sort of don't have that luxury a lot. We don't have, you know, five or six fullbacks to pick from. And, oh, if we don't, you know, pick that one at fullback, we'll just put him at centre and he'll do just as good. Um, we, we sort of got uh, limited or a lot less numbers to choose from, but the guys are going, they just do the job. So, um, yeah, it, it's all about what you can do within the team. And if they believe that Mitchell Moses is going to do that a lot better than what Nico is going to do, we're going to see tonight. Um, and then they're going to be either celebrating or they're going to be disappointed in, in the decision they made. And, you know, Mitchell's obviously pretty confident he can do that job. Freddie's confident he can do that job. And unfortunately, this time, Nico missed out, I suppose. If he had that game against the Bulldogs a week earlier, he probably would have been the number seven to New South Wales rather than getting dominated by um, the Storm. Unfortunately, it was a bad time for, for the Sharkies to play the Storm. Well, Pricey, I'm going to take a little bit right here in our very own. You play, you've won a premiership with the Bulldogs and you come over and you've represented the Warriors. You would have been watching the Warriors play this year. What's impressed you the most about this current Warriors squad? Well, I just think, um, you know, their attitude and in, in consistency on the field. Um, they've had some injuries and they've had some sort of setbacks, but it hasn't bothered them at all. Anyone who's sort of worn the jersey has turned up and there's been games they shouldn't have won. <laughs> Like this, the Cronulla game, um, come back and unbelievably won it, you know, and 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 that that's that's just not something you can just do overnight. I think the coach and the coaching staff and the playing group have obviously worked really hard in the preseason, and it's it's a bit of a culture that's building there, which is really exciting because any team that has success has that underlying sort of culture and and grit, and um, they've certainly got it at the moment. I really hope they can continue to sort of be consistent and get those, those victories because I know the crowds are getting pretty big at Mount Smart and that was one of the most exciting things about playing for the Warriors is playing at home again, you know, at Mount Smart. It's an intimidating place for an opponent. I've been there as well. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting times for the club, mate, and I hope you know they can continue on and 
sort of get their players back to be full strength and and really have a um, have a shot at the at that title that the the club hasn't won yet. It'd be good. Hey, Pricey, just on just on that, just to follow on from Izzy's question there, they've got a really favourable run home, the Warriors, um, with a bye in round 22. Um, where would you, you know, you've been in this position before, you're, you're, you're on your way home, you're sitting in the in the eight, and uh, you've got a chance to really cement yourself and head for the top four. Where do the players need to be? What what sort of, what's the attitude going between now and the back end of the season? Where does it have to be? Yeah, well, Kempi, I think whenever we went well at the Warriors, we were able to have that consistent 17 every week. So it's basically, it's making sure you're looking after yourself your preparation and, and obviously post-game your recovery so that, you know, you are travelling a bit or you're at home, whatever it might be, it's making sure that you can be out on the field sort of every week. And then the coaching staff and the, obviously the high-performance staff being able to manage that, um, your fatigue management, so that, you know, I remember that year in 08, you know, we had that run, but we had to win 10 out of our last 12. By the time we got to that game against Manly, you know, we were just exhausted and they ended up, putting 30 on us, so you want to be sort of just starting to ramp up at that time, and the Melvins and the, and the Manleys and that have been able to position themselves in the table to be able to have a week off or or be able to rest the player here and there, and then be able to launch the semi-finals to three or four weeks of just really consistent building towards that grand final day, so you know you don't think about grand final day right now, um, but that's your Mount Everest and you want to know where it is, and you want to be looking at it all the time, but you've got to understand what you've got to do to get there, and it's just minute by minute, every little battle that you got in the game, and, and really learning about yourself and each other, so that when you do get into those situations, because they're going to come up in the next number of weeks leading into that period, that you can handle it, you know? Um, it just keeps on giving you that confidence, and I've been a part of many teams of the Warriors that have had that confidence, and so exciting running out on the field knowing that there's not too many teams that are going to beat you on the day. So um, I reckon that's just where they've got to get to and they're getting pretty close to it. So that's exciting for the coach and the players. Mate, did you think Sean Johnson would come out and have a season like he's having at the moment? I think everyone's always hoped that Sean would have a season like that and I suppose as he's got older, there's been question marks on him. Um, you know, can he do it? And he just looks like he's enjoying life. Um, he's a bit like the money, you know, if you were smiling and, and sort of being tricky at training and that sort of thing, you knew that Shawnee was in a good space and he was, he was playing good footy. So I'm really loving seeing how he's playing. Um, I love his consistency, his leadership. Uh, he looks like he's really enjoying it. And, and, you know, the boys are doing a job around him, which is really important. Makes his job a bit easier. Steve, thanks very much for coming on today, mate. Really appreciate it. I know it's bright and early there, and you've got a late one because you're, uh, you're on the drive from Toowoomba to Brisbane. So drive safe, travel safe, enjoy the game tonight, mate, and uh, once again, thank Up you for your time. Go the mighty Marines. Thanks, boys. <laughs> no worries. There you go. There. That is our, our State of Origin preview with Steve Price. Thanks to Super Liquor. Cheers to that. Check out our hot deals on superlicker.co.nz. Boys, you, have you got a score for tonight? Have you got a prediction? I predicted last week on the Giddy Up that they'd win 13 plus Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, I, agree, I agree with Pricey. I just think if they get um, all the stats right, because they were on the back end of, of a hiding last week and came out with 12 men and whacked them three times to win it quite comfortably. I think if they get the stats right and they're on the right, right side of the ledger tonight, I think it's 13 plus. Is he? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm going to have a wee go tonight in the same game multi. I'm going to go 13 plus. 13 plus. What? Fido, Fido to score a try mm. alongside Coates. Coates and the Hammer to score tries. Queensland 13 plus. Take that to the bank. Izzy Dag <laughs> uh, has your back. He has your back. This is SENZ. It is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast 20 past 8 on your Wednesday morning. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. It is 8.25 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 is our number, Double eight double three. The text line, plenty of texts to get to as well. But Izzy, you have a little bit of a conundrum, mate. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a problem here. So my wife, um, yeah, I've seen it coming a long time ago, but she's a part of the PTA at a hawker primary here. And uh, she goes to all these meetings. Anyway, out of the blue, I start getting 100 phone calls and 100 messages from the school She's um, you nominated me to do all these things. And I'm like, um, sorry, you're on the PTA. I'm not. Anyway, so she's come, this Friday, they've got a, a school disco. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm on, I'm on crutches. What can I do? You know, Do you want me to take the tickets? Do you want me to just come blow up some balloons or what's, whatever? And she's like, no, 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 I've nominated you to be DJ. I hope they love drum and bass. <laughs> yeah, well, I said, DJ, what do you mean, DJ? Oh, they won't like my music, darling. And she goes, No, 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 you have to do it because we haven't got a DJ. So I'm like, I'm in a bit of a pickle here because what do you play to five, six year olds? And on top of that, mm. the little uh, teeny boppers will come in and I've got to play something for them. And I've been scrolling through Spotify, trying to find some clips, trying to find some playlists, and I've got no chance. So I need help. What do you play to five and six year olds? What do you play to seven and eight year olds, nineteen year olds? Like I'm stuck, and I've got two days to prepare, and I'm probably more nervous doing this than planning a, a test match over in South Africa. <laughs> Promise you that right now. Yes. Daggy, being the closest to the age group of uh, five and six, <laughs> I thought I'd just uh, share my expertise here. Uh, I was a legend at a few school discos uh, getting down at, back in my heyday when, uh, like you, as okay. my knees worked. Uh, mate, Crazy yep. Frog is always a good go-to. It's, it's an ageless, uh, a timeless classic. Um, if not these days, genuinely, uh, school and primary school DJs are just going on to Spotify or going on to whatever they use and looking up TikTok and then just playing a TikTok playlist, mate. Because those TikTok songs, those ones that we get sick of hearing a million times on, on Instagrams, uh, do you just play that, Dagger, and just pretend that, that you're mixing it all together? It's as simple as that, okay. mate. Put on TikTok okay. playlists. That, that helps a lot because I went through and I, I typed in kids' discos. First song that comes up, Baby shark, da, do, da, do, no, da, baby shark, da, do, da, do, da, <laughs> baby shark, da, do, da, do, da, da, baby Mate, shark. You're giving me PTSD. Should I? <laughs> Mate, honestly, take as many requests as you can. Dang it, that's, that's the key there. Here's a request, take don't play requests. that. Jesus, every parent here <laughs> will hate you. <laughs> honestly, please help. Please help me. Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, that is all. Just, just, just check on the best of ACDC. You can't go wrong. 
These poor kids' ears. Come on, mate. Honestly, I don't know what to do. Do I go Katy Perry? Do I go Taylor Swift? Do I Harry Styles? Timmy will probably, if he's listening, he'll have a, he'll have a list for you. Timmy Christchurch. Timmy from Christchurch. He's a DJ. Come on, Tim, give some tunes. Yeah, well, or just, mate, the other thing is, what are the big kids' movies at the moment? Because my daughter will jump in the car with me. She'll jump on my phone and she will put on the Cruella soundtrack or the Sing 2 soundtrack, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's those movies the kids watch. Those are the songs they know. Mate, there'll be a Disney playlist of like Let It Go and all that stuff mm. as well, you know, that you can. Okay. Yeah. There'll be many parents out there listening that will hate the music that's coming out of that playroom on YouTube. <laughs> Please send them through. Your nominations will be much appreciated. I'm going to collate a little playlist here because I need to do something. And Tim from Christchurch, if you're free Friday, <laughs> I've nominated you, my mate. Ooh, Come on, we go. help me. The hot stepper, <laughs> DJ Dagger. Uh, bring it on. Well, it's going to be the hottest DJ in town. DJ Dagger. The hot stepper. I, oh, look, do you want to know? I've actually named myself oh, have you? about six yeah, okay. years ago. <laughs> yeah, what is your DJ <laughs> so name? Should I use it? What's your DJ name? DJ Dagger. Come on, DJ Dagger has to. It has to. DJ Dagger. Get the banner. Get. <laughs> I hope you've got your website and your Facebook page all sorted. Uh, everything. Yeah, I'll go live. <laughs> I'll go live on my Instagram. Yeah. Um, just just on that, boys. I've got some Serato decks here. So what I'm thinking, I'm going to set it up like I'm actually DJing, but just in front of me there'd be a little little iPhone connected to. <laughs> Uh, the ox court, and uh, I'll do it like that. So I'll look like I'm DJing, but hey, I'll get one over them. Dino reckons you need to put in some 90s gangster rap. I don't know if I'd listen to Dino, but there you go. <laughs> but keep your texts coming through, double eight double three. Uh, when we come back, we're going to catch up with Paulie Bawadi from the tab and get some, uh, he's going to steer us into one at Pookie, apparently, and uh, get a look at State of Origin as well. Uh, right now, though, here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota, we're building and shaping New Zealand. Twenty-seven away from nine, you can bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, Paulie Mawadi, the Paulie Mawadi party—that is his DJ name. Paulie, I don't know if you heard before, but is he's DJing a school disco on Friday, uh, and uh, he's going to be DJ Dagger. So he needs—he needs some help with a playlist, brother. I, I would imagine somebody called the Paulie Mawadi party would know a playlist when he saw one. What do you got for us? Surely he's just going to. He's going to freestyle on the mic. Surely he's just going to belt out some absolute bangers. I mean, anything from the Sniggles. I mean, the Wiggles. The Wiggles. Wiggles. Sniggles. Is that, is that what Snoop Dogg calls them? <laughs> oh, yeah, good on you, Izzy. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, my friend, I'm nervous as hell, but I'm not as nervous as you, uh, mate, because you'll have plenty of money going out after Wyndham Clark won the PGA. But what have you got for us today, my friend? Um, I'm just just having a look at the uh, wash-up from the uh, first Ashes test, and boy, oh boy, was the draw backed by punters. That was our worst result in that head-to-head market, the draw. So... We're quite happy that um, England and Australia actually battled out a result there. I can tell you that the um, draw, uh, the biggest price backed was $181. 
uh, on the draw. Uh, the biggest price that the uh, Aussies got out to was seven fifty, and the English got out to around fourteen dollars uh, laid on in that test match. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, the punters, I guess, backing the, the weather. But when you've got a team that's coached by Baz and the Australians, you know, they always play for a win as well. It's, it's very, very likely there's going to be a result. So, yeah, those guys that backed the draw didn't quite get there. But those who backed the Aussies uh, were very well rewarded. Um, just having a look at the state of origin, um, kick off tonight, game two. Uh, we've had a $4,500 bet on Queensland. That was at $1.46. The biggest bet on New South Wales so far is a $1,000 bet at $2.80. Last week, uh, we had our Outplayer Pro uh, promotion where there were 10 lucky punters won a $1,000 bonus bet each, and one of those punters has placed his $1,000 bonus bet on a power play in tonight's State of Origin match. It's Xavier Coates, Josh Adokar, and Valentine Holmes to combine for four or more tries. That's paying $12. So if he's successful, he'll get $11,000 back uh, for that play. So Come on. Keep your, keep your eyes out for Xavier Coates, Josh Adokar, and Valentine Holmes to combine for four or more tries. This punter will be cheering them all night long. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, I had a look at Pookie. Yep. I can tell you there's a couple that they've backed. Uh, race 8, the favourite, uh, trained by Curtis Pertab, Diomedes, 330 into $2.80. That's uh, pretty much the best backed on the card so far. Number one, Diomedes, to be ridden by Ryan Elliott. And in race 9, uh, also number one, uh, trained by the Rogersons, Brookburn, $6 into 550 There's been a wee bit of speaking about Brookburn, so... Yeah, those two have been very well backed on the card at Pookie today. So hopefully um, you'll find a collect later on in the day. Yeah, all right, Paulie. All that. Um, Izzy has got one for us, mate. I don't know if you can uh, you can price this up for us, but he's gone a same-game multi on Origin. He's gone the Maroons 13-plus and the Hammer and Coates to both score tries. What do you reckon? Oh, holy moly. So what has he gone? 13-plus the Maroons. Yep, and then the Hammer... Tabai Fudau and uh, and Xavier Coates to both score tries. Right, where's the hammer? Hammer, hammer, and do you say Xavier Coates? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let's add this up for uh, DJ. DJ Dagger. <laughs> DJ Dagger. DJ Dagger. <laughs> I want to see, see that come up as the name of the special on the TAB site today. The DJ Dagger special. <laughs> uh, where are we? Thirteen plus. Uh, where are we? Minus twelve and a half. Bang. Eight dollars fifty. Eight fifty. Jump on all over it. There you go. There we go. J- just head to the TAB website today. Look for the uh, DJ Dagger Power Play and cash and take it to the bank. Bolly Mawadi. <laughs> Thanks very much, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and you can uh, you can tell us how DJ Dagger got on. Yeah, yeah, I hope he doesn't get booed off the stage on Friday night. (laughs) Uh, The hot stepper, surely not, surely not. Uh, Watch and be live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. There he is, uh, Paulie Mawadi, bringing the party once again. Keep your texts coming through, double eight, double three. There's a few, few options here for you, Izzy.
Uh, jump on the Jump Jam music and some suitable stuff should come up. Jump Jam is the daily exercise thing they do at primary school for music. Ah, okay. I've never heard of it. No, jump neither. Jump Jam? Oh, have we looked? Have a look. Spot, Spotify Fortnite song? Yeah. The Chicken okay. Dance? Yeah. I like I like this one. I like this one from Richard, mate. Also, they were just given plenty of soft drinks because that will help them not care about whatever you play. <laughs> I just run around. Oh, the worst! You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the parents' worst nightmare. I'm going to fill your kids up with sugar and I'm going to send them home. There you go, <laughs> Fizz from them DJ up. Dagger. Fizz them up. Oh, that's what we want to hear. Keep your teeth coming through. Double eight, double three for DJ Dagger. We are twenty-one away from nine. Oh, why you all over there on your Jack Jones? You need to let me get behind your backbone. Cause I'm the man for the job, let me work here. I won't waste no time, I'll make you fear. 100%, I make it worth it. You got a body to die for, let me work here. Now it's murder on the dance floor. I wanna take this further than the dance floor. I ain't fools fool, but I'm Bit of dizzy rascal for you there, Izzy. That one is called uh, Dance Ooh. With Me. So you can play that at 16 away from 9 at your, at your school disco you're DJing yeah, on Friday. Yeah, it's Izzy Rascal. Yeah. For the DJ Dagger. Come on. Is he rascal? Woo! Is he rascal indeed? <laughs> I, this one's come through from Jimmy on double eight double three. Should be alright on Friday. DJ Dagger, you won't get booed off stage so long as MC Dagger doesn't come out. <laughs> I just... Mate, if there's DJ and there's a mic, you are no one hundred percent I'm gonna be talking throughout this whole set. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a text the other day, a tweet the other day, I should say this this just ages us again. Uh well, age of the team tweeter, but I uh, I appreciate it. He said uh, his daughter um, saw MC Hammer written down, and she obviously didn't know who he was, and so she pronounced it Mick Hammer like he was some Scottish rapper, <laughs> like a burger. <laughs> okay, the the you can't touch this. <laughs> I don't know if I should be called DJ Dagger in a primary school, but anyway, we'll see. <laughs> oh. oh. Keep those texts coming through, double eight, double three. Uh, we've had uh, plenty of them through. Uh, we were talking bows and arrows earlier, Kempi. Um, somebody's referred to you as Tonto. You going on about shooting <laughs> apples off people's heads? I actually looked a little bit like Tonto too back in the day with the long hair. Um, bows and arrows, mate. That was such a cool game. Chasing the chasing the best piece of bamboo. Fishing line was the hardest one to get because you didn't want to you didn't want to waste it. You lost plenty when you threw it out. Then got snagged up with your your jag down at the uh, blood shoot getting those hearings. And another one through. Hey, Kempi, when you write your book, can you do an audio book as well? And can you read it? Because I love you here. I love hearing you tell your stories. That's from John. Well, it will be an audio book because I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. I remember there was uh, oh. Frank Zappa uh, had a great quote about music journalists saying that you know there are people who can't write writing for people who can't read about people who don't know what they're talking about. Sounds, um, sounds sports journalism sounds similar, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, keep those texts coming through, helping the, the dagger out as well. Double eight, double three. Uh, we, now, the Ashes did wrap up. It's the first test wrapped up uh, this morning uh, at around half past six New Zealand time. Usman Kawaja uh, turned out mm. to be the man of the match. 206 runs across two innings in that to get Australia home by just two wickets to take out the first Ashes test. Here he is post match having a chat about that five days. Usman Kawaja, have you caught your breath here? Uh, almost. I'm still pretty excited, to be honest. Yeah, I got a. I think the heart hasn't fully come down to my natural heart rate, but yeah, what a game. What a win. Uh, 
that, that ebbed and flowed the whole way through and it was pretty special at the end. And before we get to how the run chase played out, just being a part of one of arguably one of the greatest test matches of all time, and what does that mean to you? Yeah, so much. I mean, I watched all that 2005 series. I watched Ash Best in 2005. It still sticks in my head. I was, I said earlier, I was there when Stokesy played probably the best innings I've ever seen. Uh, last time at the Ashes to win Headingley, unbelievable. But I've never been really a part of a winning side and being able to just do it. And then it's all these Ashes folklore, you know. You, you hear about, you know, Beefy's test match or Andrew Flintoff doing what he would do. And you always want to be a part of it, but you just never dream to be a part of it. So being a part of a team that actually was involved in one of those games, hopefully we'll be seeing highlights for a very long time. That'd be nice. It'd be very nice. What do we call this? The great escape from Cummins and Land? But they looked so much in control throughout that partnership. It was like, it was a matter of fact. Yeah, I, I don't know how. I was, I was nervous on the outside and... They just did it so cool, calmly. And Gaz is not a calm person, we know. <laughs> but he walked off the field and I just kept smacking him on the chest, calling him stone cold. And I was like, you are stone cold. Because <laughs> he, he just, him and Paddy, yeah, it's, um, it's never easy out there, especially they had a few runs to chase. And on day five, we get the ball was quite soft. The new ball actually helped us a little bit, I think. The ball came on a bit nicer off the bat, but you still got to do it. So, yeah, how good was that? Uh, and oh, Nathan Lyon played, I guess. Turned into Viv Richards? Yeah. Uh, turn into Viv Richards that uh, flick over mid-wicket I thought like well like does he even need to be batting in a helmet the boys were laughing because they asked me to give a recount of what I thought the wicket was like and I said guys if it gets close near the end I actually think it's a wicket where it's easier to hit over the top than it is along the ground just because it's so slow I said I know that sounds silly but that's what I feel and he did it and all the boys were laughing he's like well, he took your advice he took your advice so it's pretty funny he still executed it takes a lot of balls to do it and very impressive. And, and like before the partnership happens, Uzi, you make that incredible 100 in the first innings, your first ever in England, and clearly it meant a lot to you. Uh, but just uh, the way you, you play today, uh, like you said, it, it was a pretty turgid pitch. It wasn't coming on either. Uh, so what was your game plan and, and did it work out? It didn't work out exactly the way I wanted to. I wanted to be there around the last hour. I wanted to be there. And then my plan was as soon as the last hour hit, I was going to go into the next gear. Unfortunately, I got out before that happened. Um, I just wanted to take it deep. I didn't want to lose too many wickets too early and then not give ourselves the chance to win the game. So the whole day today, I fought myself. I wanted to go over the top against the spinners. I wanted to play more shots against the pace bowlers because they had the field spread. But I just kept fighting myself. I'm like, just keep going, keep going. Take it as deep as you can, as deep as you can. I would like to take it a little bit more deeper, but I think we got deep enough to give ourselves a chance at the end there and to put enough pressure back on England. And... Yeah, I mean, unbelievable innings from the boys at the end. And just finally, uh, just where were you when Pat Cummins glided that ball to, to third man and what was your first reaction? I was hiding in the change room. Me and Matt Renshaw were just, there was too much nervous energy floating out here and I couldn't take it. So I just, I started, I watched the last 30 runs in there on a delayed TV, which didn't help. So I was just listening to the sounds. I could tell if someone hit a single. I could tell if there was a four or if there was a two. I could tell every time. And then literally I just heard the boys go up. And so I screamed and I just sprinted out. And I didn't even see the last wall. I didn't even see what happened because it was a delay for three seconds. So I just jumped on Hoff and almost, Hoff on uh, Josh Hazelwood almost fell over. And then I just got into the, yeah, into the huddle with the boys. What a win. Beautiful. Get yourself a diet, Gokuzi. Congratulations. Will do. Couple, maybe. <laughs> 
There we go, the man of the match of the first uh, test in the Ashes series, Usman Kawaja, with his 206 runs across those two innings. And Australia get it one by two wickets earlier this morning. And uh, yeah, great start to the series, boys, wasn't it? I know Smithy will be fizzing. They had to go deep. They had to go very, very deep there, Usman Kawaja. And uh, interesting to see, mate, they relied on, on Pat Cummins. Like, he's a, a captain's not. With the ball, they showed aggressive part of their game, which, well, it's it's a custom to Australia, but they probably had to do something that wasn't really, um, you know, in in the arsenal. So look, I, I appreciate, I commend them on that effort, hell of an effort, and I'd love to hear uh, some of these thoughts later on in the show. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the good text has come through here for you, Kempe, double eight double three. Great show as normal, guys. I hope tonight Paul Green is somehow remembered. Kempe would know the highs and lows of coaching and the pressure. Just a shame Paul couldn't fight those demons. What support do SAC coaches get from the NRL, if any, from Rusty? Yeah, that's a look, Rusty, that's a great question. I, and, I, and I hope that they do, um, and I'm pretty sure they will remember Paul Green some some small way tonight. Um, well, back in my day, there was no support. Oh, I don't know what the NRL have got in place now. I think it's something that they continue work on in, in the agreements and that um, and it's, it's it's funny because I was just out there talking to Robbo. Um, he's just heading into work down the NZRU, and uh, I just talked to him and said to him, "Yeah, you know, we're talking about you know he's obviously um, got lots going on at the moment with the All Blacks being named and the World Cup coming up, and just talking about a little bit of that pressure and said, you know, at the end of the day, Robbo, you're going to look back on these situations and uh, you're just going to realise it's just a game of footy, and you know you don't really know that at the time." Um, you put a hell of a lot of pressure on yourself and, and your expectations and because you're, you're performing at the highest level you always want to succeed and when things don't go your way um, it's quite easy to get down on yourself so uh, just remember you know what you do there's always something more important in your life that um, can pick you, pick you back up and get you out of it. Well said, well said Kempe. Um, keep your texts coming through as well for DJ Dagger. Print off a bunch of DJ Dagger labels, cover small water bottles in them for prizes at the DJ <laughs> desk, and then who let the dogs out? Never fails on the floor. <laughs> right, Dagger? I'll send you some as well, oh. mate. Drowning pool. The body's help. at the floor. Help. Play that. Please help. <laughs> <laughs> Suggestions for DJ Dagger for Friday night. Keep them coming through, double eight, double three. When we come back, Smithy will join us.